Hi, I'm Anika. And I'm Olvi, and you're listening to YA Book. Uh, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about The Astonishing Color of After by Emily XR Pan. So, how are you? Uh, I'm good. It's almost the summer holidays, so that's exciting. School's very long and very tiring sometimes. Yeah, that it is. Um, I'm good. I have been just... I've not had a lot of time to read because, again, school, although almost over, has been a little hectic. So I've not had too much time. Uh, but I did I did try to read some books, and I did. So. Cool. so what books are you reading? So I finished I Am the Messenger by Marcus Dusak. Um, I think I started that when we recorded our last episode. It was quite a good book, um, five stars. It was about this Australian cab driver called Ed who is, he's underage, first of all. He's about 19, with the legal age is 20. And he's he's gone nowhere in life. He's just a cab driver, and his best achievement is being a couple of months younger than the, than the second youngest one. So it's not even that great. And basically, his life is going absolutely nowhere. He has no partner. He has a couple of friends, but he's not even that close to them. Um, he has one best friend who he's hopelessly in love with, but he hasn't made a single move yet. And she's ap- obviously not in love with him. One day, he gets an envelope in the mail with a card and a message, uh, an address, three addresses, uh, which he obviously needs to go to and do something there. So he goes and he does it. And then slowly he gets pulled into this game where he ca- he keeps getting these messages and then he has to go to people's houses and and help them with their issues and Basically, just be an upstanding citizen. Uh, after that, I read, I started Palestine by Joe Sacco, or Sacco, or however you pronounce that. He, so basically, the author actually went to the city, and he, he talked to Palestinians who had faced problems, and, and then he wrote them down in the form of a graphic novel. And it was a really good book, really well written, but the problem was that I didn't know if I was ready to hear all of these really, really serious and sad stories. So I had to ditch it midway. And I don't think I'll be picking it up again in the near future. Maybe in when I'm uh. well into adulthood or something. Or maybe I never will because it was seriously dark. And it kind of it affected me because it was just the stories were so sad. The amount of civilian brutality and police brutality that happens there is... It was just really disturbing to read. So I had to ditch it. I'm also midway through The Shape of Thunder by Jasmine Walker. Mm. Uh, Apologies if I'm pronouncing that wrong, but uh, it's a middle grade novel. I think upper middle grade or middle grade about two best friends. And so basically one of the best friend's older brother, by the sound of it, has killed the other person's older sister in a school shooting. And obviously it tore apart their friendship and... Um, because the second best friend just can't comprehend why the oh, why this happened, you know? And she's like, I lost my sister because of your brother, you know, because he went and shot her. So, yeah, it seems to be like a really heavy book, but then obviously it's a middle grade novel, so they're not gone mm-hmm. into like the gory details or yeah. it's it's been handled quite like delicately because obviously younger children will be reading it. So that seems to be pretty good. I'm about maybe 
not too much maybe 10 or 20 percent into it so far and it seems like a pretty yeah. good book it's got some it's really well written so i'm enjoying it what about you um i have finished solitaire by alice oseman and that book was very depressing alice oseman she got famous for her graphic novel series heartstopper which is um it's a gay romance basically and this is set before solitaire is like yeah it happens before solitaire but solitaire the actual book was written before the graphic novels if that makes sense so basically it was about the main guy in uh, heartstopper his older sister and her life and basically the guy he has a mental health disorder like he he uh, he grapples with self destructive thoughts and um he has a major case of ocd like it's completely major and it was really really depressing to read those parts and i had to stop after a while and then start it again uh like yeah but it was a good book overall and it was kind of confusing again because at the end i'm not going to tell you why but they tried to burn down the school like some people and then i'm like that didn't really make much sense but yeah if you read it you'll understand why they were trying to burn down the school but yeah and then now i'm reading one last stop by casey mcquinston and if you don't know i kind of obsess over one of her other books red wine and royal blue which is like one of my favorite books of all time uh it was one of my best books of 2021 list uh, on that list and so far this book is really good and i haven't gotten time to read it in the past 2 days because i've been busy finishing the book that we're going to talk about but basically it's about this girl who doesn't believe in love and she's grown up with her mom who like believes that her brother that the mom's brother is still alive and he was a missing persons case like 20 years ago or something so august who's the girl which is the girl's name she grew up like working on the case helping her mother figure out stuff even though like everybody knew that her uncle wasn't alive so then she shifted to new york city and she meets a girl on the train jane um and she's very retro and then august slowly starts falling in love with her but she doesn't understand jane like she knows nothing about jane and soon she figures out that jane is from the 1970s and she's been stuck on that train since then So it's a really really interesting storyline and I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, that's what I've been reading. So, trigger warning, there's suicidal themes because her mom commits suicide. There is uh depression since her mom is also going through depression and mentions of um sexual feelings. So if you're not comfortable with any of them, don't listen to this podcast episode and don't read the book. Uh, anyways on to the summary spoiler warning we're going to be talking about everything that happens in this book if you're planning on reading this book don't listen to the podcast not yet at least oh and also the the book does have um a lot of like grief and trauma and like processing because um from a very young age leah has had to like watch her mother fall prey to this um this illness so if you're also currently going through grief or you're going to be triggered by her her going through her feelings and thinking about her mother then you might also want to stay away from this book until you've like moved on yeah so here's a summary lay our main character has had a huge crush on her best friend axel for the longest time so one summer day she finally kisses him and he kisses back but lay goes home to the most terrible news 
While she was working up the courage to make a move, her mother committed suicide, unable to deal with her depression any longer. Her world is turned upside down, and Leigh and her father have to grapple with the truth that being so wholly loved by them was not enough for Dory to hold on. The note Dory left said, I want you to remember. And although it was crossed out, Leigh is consumed by thoughts of what her mother wanted her to remember. One night, Leigh sees a red bird and it delivers a mysterious package from the Taiwanese maternal grandparents she's never met. She's utterly convinced that the red bird is her mother and she has the red feather to prove that it wasn't a dream. She tells her father and they decide to travel to Taiwan and figure out this mystery. In Taiwan, however, her father is unable to handle being around his in-laws and leaves to stay in a hotel. Lei manages to convey the current state of her mother in broken Mandarin to her grandmother and they decide to explore her favorite places in Taiwan to catch a sight of the red bird, Lei's mother, with Feng, the person who Lei thinks fits into her family better than she does. All this while, Axel keeps sending Lei emails, which take her on painful trips to the past and confuse her feelings even more. It makes her remember the aversion her father has to her passion for art and how he wants her to do something more worthwhile in her life. One night, the red bird delivers a box with strange incense sticks, and when Lei lights one, she's dragged into one of her mother's memories. As the days and nights tick by, a sleep-deprived Lei counts them down to the 49th since her mother's passing, when the bird will disappear from this world and she'll pass into the afterlife. But slowly, she begins to discover the secrets her mother and father built their family on, that they've been hiding her entire life. Lei desperately needs to figure out how to reach her mother to find out just what she wants Lei to remember. She decides to reach out to her father, and when he shows up at the flat, they all go into the room and she uses one of the incense sticks uh, and burn them against the feather she found in the street of the red bird that she thinks is her mother. And um, then she's transported back and she finds more memories about how her mother wasn't coping really well with her depression. And after that, she passes out and wakes up three days later, recovering from a fever, having missed the 49th day. Nobody remembers Feng, which is odd. She tells her father everything and together they decide to forge a better connection between the two of them and move on. She then discovers that Feng was the ghost of her aunt and that she's now moved on from this world. She and her father fly back to the US and waiting for them at home is Axel, who takes Leia up to her room, which he repainted with swirls of colors that show that he does really care for her. Slowly and awkwardly, they both admit their feelings and they finally properly kiss. Later, the art school Leia applied to sends her an invitation to display her art there and her father very surprisingly, is supportive about her dreams for the first time. The book ends with Leigh, her father, and Axel excitedly planning a trip to Berlin and the art school. Ta-da! Yep. So, do you want to start, get into the book, and talk about our thoughts on characters, ideas, plot twists, or literally anything? Yeah. Okay, so, first of all, Axel is honestly very sweet. He has made kind of blundering mistakes before, you know, like the typical, I'm going to date another girl, like, you know, in all the high school love movies. and all. Yeah, where the like, guy is just really confused. Yeah, he's just really confused and he starts dating another girl and the girl, and that girl who he gets with at the end, who's like the main character, she's so confused and then 
all that mm-hmm. stuff happens. Yeah, but Axel really does carefully. I think he just doesn't realize it throughout. Like when you go in the past and you see uh, their interactions throughout the two years that they show, that Axel really does care for her, but he hasn't realized it yet. And when he does realize it, it's way past. It's after he started dating another girl. It's after he pushed her away. It's after she kissed another guy. So it was really confusing and also that their first kiss actually did happen like in the moments that her mom committed suicide. So that also was a scarring event for Leigh. So yeah. And also I found it really cool how Axel, he drew something to keep it preserved in his memory and then he converted that into music. Yeah. So like you could, you could hear the pictures that he um, put into the art like see the emotions and uh, yeah and the colors i have um two thoughts so Leigh has synesthesia which is something we could not put in that very very long summary because it, the book was 500 pages long and it was already so hard to condense everything so for those of you who don't know synesthesia is um a condition where somebody can think in colors or you can hear a music piece or feel an emotion and you can associate an immediately associate a color with it i think both lay and axel had that right? yeah both of them have it so when they don't know what somebody one of them is feeling they'll ask what color um so i found it interesting because i've never come across somebody with it so it was interesting to see her like how she thinks and how she sees the world through colors but i also found it really difficult to understand and read because as somebody who obviously doesn't have it basically she'd say something was cobalt blue and I mean, as a reader who doesn't have synesthesia, how am I supposed to figure out what cobalt blue means? Yeah. Like sometimes the author would also say the cobalt blue of sadness, so it would be much easier to understand. But then sometimes she wouldn't. And although it was interesting, it also made the book really confusing because it it was just hard to comprehend and like work with sometimes, you know? That Yeah, it was really difficult to understand what she was saying. And I think I didn't really like realized that she had synesthesia i just thought like she got used to talking in colors because of axel like the way Uh, they interacted but yeah i get it uh uh-huh uh my second thought is that i really love the way the book is written because i mean i have so many favorite passages that i highlighted um that i'm i'm currently trying to flip through them and find out which one to actually read so, yeah, I think that leads us to our next section. You can go yes. first because I'm still kind of lost. Okay, so this one, when I read it, it was confusing. and I don't think I fully understood it yet. But something that stuck with me, I guess, and I thought it could be my favorite passage because it's very, it's very layered. Uh, it's chapter 23. Okay, so this is just after one of the flashbacks you have in the book. Uh, to like her past life in like the past two years and after she started listening to these pieces that Axel had composed for her it's it's called the Lockhart Orchard and they're like four pieces that describe I think their experiences together and like where they went to the apple orchard I think I'm not really sure but yeah um so this is like a passage talking about memories We try so hard to make these little time capsules, memories strung up just so, like holiday lights. 
casting the perfect glow and the perfect tones. But that's picking and choosing what to look at, what to put on display. That's not the true nature of remembering. Memory is a mean thing, slicing at you from the harshest angles, dipping a consciousness into the wrong colors again and again. A moment of humiliation or devastation or absolute rage to be rewound and replayed, spinning a thread that wraps around the brain, knotting itself into something of a noose. It won't exactly kill you, but it makes you feel the squeeze of every horrible moment. How do you stop it? How do you walk the mind free? I wish I could command my brain to say to it, here, go ahead and spool and let the memories go. Let them be gone. So Lei obviously struggles with grief and like after finding her mom dead and committing suicide. And the book actually ends with her and the art exhibition, like we mentioned in the summary. And the last few paragraphs also about how are about memory and it's just like this this uh this passage shows that you can't really focus on the good memories because the bad memories will always be there and you'll have to confront them at one point or another or otherwise they'll just wrap around your brain won't let you think of anything else so yeah that's why i like this passage uh-huh okay i have two they're kind of long i'm sorry it was a really good book my first one is when Lei is trying to remember her. She's remembering um, seeing her mother performing on the piano on stage once. And her mother was a really gifted pianist. My mother leaned over the huge piano. Her hands heavy as anvils when the voices stormed. Fluttering light as a dove when the voices sailed low and quiet. Her chords kept time like a clock. She turned her own pages. Her hand flying so quickly it was like a magic trick. If you blinked, you would miss it. Nobody but us watched her, but she was playing for all the world. She was a sea creature and the music was her ocean. It had always belonged to her. It was in her every breath, her every movement. She was the color of home. So I just thought it was really beautiful. And yeah, yeah. and as also somebody who plays piano, I was like, yeah, that's, that's cool. And my second one is when she's just begin, begun to accept it. Um, so I thought the book was going to end there, but then it said 85%. So I was like, no, probably not. Hold your finger to the sky. With so much force, it lengthens like a spine. Look up to the point of it and beyond. There, that tiny patch of the world, no bigger than the tip of your finger. At first glance, it might just look like one flat color, blue or gray, or maybe even orange. But it's much more complex than that. Squint. See the daubs of daubs dabs of lilac, the streak of sage no wider than a hyphen, that butterscotch smear and the faint wash of carnelian, all of them coming together to swirl at the point just above your finger. Breathe them in, let them settle in your lungs. Those are the colors of right now. Yeah, so that was how the bo- whole book was written. Pay no mind to the fact that we just spoiled it for you. Go read it right now. Yeah. Like, this part, I didn't really understand. And I know it means, like, hold a finger out to the sky and see, like, the colors. But I tried doing it to the bedroom ceiling. (laughs) (laughs) And it it was interesting. It was yellow and white and stuff. So, yeah. Anyway. So, now moving on to favorite minor character. I actually have four. (laughs) She, she... She illegally has four. And yeah, go on. Go on with your illegal <laughs> choices. Okay, so this 
girl called Carol, and uh, I forgot her full name, even though I like finished the book today. But anyways, uh, I liked her and her whole family. So basically, Carol's very upfront about things. Like ever since she's very bold and she's very unapologetic for who she is, and Carol's mother and grandparents. Oh my God, they're like especially her grandparents. So basically they were Carol had come out to her mom like that she was she liked girls apparently Carol's mom kept checking out girls for her which was really funny oh yeah and um and then when they went away on holiday her mom apparently kept telling Carol which girls looked good and if she wanted to date them or stuff which is really really funny Carol's grandparents are very they're also very upfront about things and they yeah. have conversations with Carol about sex and stuff, which is kind of interesting. And they're very accepting of who she is, yeah. which I think is really cool. Which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They're very understanding of the fact that she's interested in girls and they're very like, like they, they, they tease her about it. They're like, so are we going to like talk about marriage now, I suppose? <laughs> and yeah, they're just really cool, and it seems like they're a really tight knit family who have yeah. a really close relationship with each other. There's no drama, and yeah, it just seems like she lives in a very understanding and like pleasant house. So my favorite character, because Annika is a dirty cheater, is Caro's <laughs> oh, wow. grandfather. She chose four people. It's all her fault. Um, my favorite minor character is. Uh, Tina, who is Axel's aunt, and Dory, that's Lay's mother's best friend. And she just seems like a really good person. And I mean, it's hard to have like, um, it's hard to have a best friend with depression, but <laughs> she does try. And when she begins to slip away, it's not because of her. It's because, you know, it's because Dory is slipping away and she's slipping into her little hole of darkness and she's, she's unable to like, ha- foster relationships any longer but tina holds on for as long as she can like one night when dory crashes and calls 911 lay comes back absolutely confused terrified but then dory dory shows up with dinner she comes to the hospital helps take dory home and she shows up with dinner she tries to change the subject and be cheery and even though lay doesn't appreciate it because she's terrified because her mother seems like not herself it's really nice of Dory, I think, still to do what she does and be there for her friend, even when it's really hard to be around somebody who's so obviously struggling and she's doing her best. And I, I really thought that was sweet. Uh, one thing we liked about the book, I liked the descriptions. So like a lot of descriptions. So basically, Lei, she has insomnia for like the last, I don't know, like eight days when she goes to Taiwan because, was it Taiwan? She went to Taiwan, right? Yeah. She went to Taiwan yeah. and um, so she has like, she starts hallucinating and seeing things like the walls dripping and the um, the ground cracking and like everybody else cracking except herself. So the way that the authors described the situations were really cool. So yeah, I like the descriptions. Yeah, I like the way the story is like woven and how everything is revealed because it's slowly revealed along the course of a 500 page book. Um, it's basically like, you know how in books which have twin time, um, which have dual narratives, how everything is 
interconnected and i really like how all the memories are related to the real life events and how it's not just she'll just randomly keep having flashbacks the memory will be related to something we just saw in the present day and yeah i think it's really interesting how everything just kind of comes together and i love it when authors do that when you know an object just like has this storyline throughout the book like Dori had this cigar, just jade cicada pendant. And throughout the book, we know about the pendant because it was in the box of objects. But then we keep learning about it and the different facets of it. Like we learned that it was given to Dori by her sister in one memory. And then we learn in another memory that actually the chain broke once and then Dori had to get a shorter chain, um, a new one. And then it felt wrong to her and different. And then um, Lei thought of that as an omen, which she later realized that, that was her already catastrophizing and being like this is why you know things are gonna go horribly wrong in my mom's head so um yeah i like how everything had like its own storyline and everything was just really slowly revealed and really like cohesively revealed yeah yeah it's really cool how like the flashbacks occur whenever she's actually thinking about it because of something that actually happened so yeah uh so one thing I felt like I would change if I'd written the book is I would have made the synesthesia more understandable. Like I mentioned earlier, I sometimes got really confused because obviously as somebody who like because as somebody who doesn't have it, it was it was hard for me to understand what you know raw umber meant in the grand scheme of things, or what you know ultramarine blue meant to Dory when it wasn't. I mean to to lay when it wasn't specified. So I feel like maybe the author could have made it more understandable for people who don't have synesthesia because sometimes it felt like the book was written for people who did and sometimes it was just really confusing to read and absolutely not cleared. So yeah, I would have done that. Yeah. Welcome to Waffle Sunday, a private feast <laughs> filled with waffles, cream and berries made to overwhelm your senses. So far, our guests have been Lay and Axel, along with our host, Dory. Make sure not to use our promo code YABook slash Waffle Sunday to book your delicious breakfast. P.S. Waffle Sunday may be out of commission for the foreseeable future. Reach the, the website at wafflesunday.com to know more. Okay, so moving on to songs that embody the book. So, again, I didn't have a lot of time to find songs because... A lot of hectic reading today. Uh, so I have seven songs and I could find more, but we don't have time. Okay, I'm going to talk about four songs since we don't have a lot of time. And the first song is Jealousy, Jealousy by Olivia Rodrigo. So I thought that this song would be relevant because of the way that um, Lei Le was jealous of Feng. Like she was... She even, like, snapped at her, like, told her, why are you here? What are you doing here? Um, you act like you're part of this family, but you're not. And it's all because Feng was closer to her grandmother than Lei was. Feng knew Mandarin and Taiwanese. Yeah. And Lei didn't. And she just felt excluded a lot. So she just broke and snapped. So I'm just going to read a paragraph, like, a verse, like, a few lines from Jealousy, Jealousy. All I see is what I should be. Happier, prettier, jealousy, jealousy. All I see, what I should be, I'm losing it. All I get is jealousy, jealousy. Come comparison is killing me slowly. So again, no one is comparing her to Feng. It's just her own mind, which is like going over like her insecurities and stuff about like 
she isn't like Feng. Yeah. She doesn't live up to her grandmom's. She doesn't think she lives up to her grandmom's expectations. So that was why I chose yeah. Jealousy Jealousy. I actually, I I have an interesting like other parallel narrative to that. Wai Gong and Wai Po, that's her grandparents, kept comparing, like in the memories, they kept comparing Dori to her oh, sister yeah, Jingling. Yeah. So I think that that's also an interesting parallel narrative where she kept being compared to. So yeah. yeah, that was interesting. Okay, so the next song is Don't Let It Break Your Heart by Louis Tomlinson. I have like three Louis Tomlinson songs on my list and I don't know why, but his songs just um came to my mind. This one, I remember hearing it and then I searched it up. I didn't even remember the name of the song which it was in, but it, it was Louis Tomlinson's song and it's Don't Let It Break Your Heart. On our way to 27, got a place on the other side of London, doing better, doing better. And I know you left a part of you in New York under your bed in a box, but you're doing better, doing better. Life gets hard and it gets messed up when you give so much, but it's not enough. When the high's too high and the low's too low, when you love someone and they let you go. So again, New York and London cut out the places. I thought New York could be like Taiwan because... Dory did leave a part of herself in Taiwan, even if she feels like she's completely cut off from her family and whatever, and she never wants to go back. Her sister still died there. Her parents still lived there. Her whole childhood happened there. Yeah. So uh, I thought yeah. that's why this song um, coincided with that. Okay. Uh, moving on, Somebody to You, The Vamps. Now, these last two songs are about Axel and Lay's relationship so i'm gonna read a line look at me now i'm falling i can't even talk still stuttering this ground i'm on i keep shaking oh 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 now all i want to be yeah all i ever want to be yeah yeah is somebody to you all i want to be yeah all i ever want to be yeah yeah is somebody to you everybody's trying to be a billionaire but every time i look at you i just don't care because all i want to be yeah all i want to be yeah is yeah, is somebody to you. So again, Lei has been in love with Axel for like five years. All she wants is to be like his girlfriend for him to realize that she loves him and that he loves her and that they can be together happily. And that's why I chose this song. Also, it's like a love song and they do get it together in the end. So it's like a happy ending. So yeah, the next song is What If I Told You I Like You. By Johnny Orlando and Mackenzie Ziegler. Uh, What if our tomorrow means that we are here together? What if we are taking chances just to lose it all? Am I really crazy thinking about this all together? Or have I been missing the writing on the wall? What if I say, I know, you know. What if I told you I like you? We stay, we go. What if I told you I like you? Lay doesn't know if she should tell Axel about her feelings or not because, you know, She's completely and utterly in love with him and she doesn't know if they can ever get together because Axel's supposedly in love with another girl, which he's not. Mm-hmm. She's just apparently a distraction or something, he said. So this is all about that. These two songs were about their relationship and how they get together in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Go to your songs all right. Two. So I have, I think, seven songs, which is I know, I know not as much as I normally do. This this song was just this the book was harder to find songs for for some reason. Not a lot of songs you find are about grief, so yeah. 
the first song is I Don't Wanna Live Forever by Zayn featuring Taylor Swift. So the chorus goes, I don't want to live forever because I know I'll be living in vain. And I don't want to fit wherever. I just want to keep calling your name until you come back home. So this song is about like heartbreak and a breakup by the sound of it. But I think it could be translated into grief. And especially the chorus. Like she's just, she doesn't want to keep living. She wants to find her mom and bring her back. Because she's a mom. And you know, there's like a mom-shaped hole in her. And it's just, yeah. Um, My second song is Visiting Hours by Ed Sheeran. This song, I think, is actually about grief. Uh, He wrote it for a friend who passed away, I think. So the chorus, it's a really beautiful, sad, slow song. Um, Can I just stay a while and we'll put all the world to rights. The little ones will grow and I'll still drink your favorite wine. And soon they're going to close, but I'll see you another day. So much has changed since you've been away. I wish that heaven had visiting hours, so I could just swing by and ask your advice. What would you do in my situation? I haven't a clue how I'd even raise them. What would you do? Because you always do what's right. And I think that, um, I think it's sort of to a mentor, like the singer's kind of asking like, what do I do? Like you always, you know what you're doing because you lived and you're wise, but what do I do? Tell me. So my third and last song is The Middle of Starting Over by Sabrina Carpenter. One of the verses, I think. Back to the beginning, gonna hit rewind. Chance to do it over, get it right this time. Life gives you pennies, turn them into dimes. I'm in the middle of starting over. Yeah, so it's basically about moving on. And I thought it kind of applied to the end of the book, where she's beginning to move on, to accept, to find the truth and let her mother go. So yeah, um, my other songs are Wolves by Selena Gomez, Wake Me Up by Avicii, Solo by Demi Lovato, and All You Had To Do Was Stay by Taylor Swift. My other songs are Two of Us by Louis Tomlinson, Before You Go by Louis Capaldi, and Just Hold On by Louis Tomlinson and Steve Aoki. Cool. Yeah. Um, Moving on to other books by the author. Uh, There's another book called Arrow to the Moon, which she wrote, and that one, it was published this year actually so maybe i would like to read that soon depends yeah if i have time soon and then the next is foreshadow stories to celebrate the magic of reading and writing why i don't think that's it's an anthology it's yeah it's an anthology so yeah you can read these two if you want to read more books by the author a rating out of five, I give this book like four stars because, again, the books I normally read, this was out of my comfort zone, like way out of my comfort zone. Um, I usually read romance, which is normally gay romance, and fantasy. This was, this had a fantastical element to it, but there were points in the book where I was just getting bored and I wanted to pick up, you know, one last stop and continue reading that because I found that more interesting at that point. But I'm happy that I finished it because it did give me some insight into thoughts of people um, with depression and thoughts of people who are suicidal and um, how to ha- how people handle grief and all. So yeah, that's why I go four to five. So for me, this was such a good book. I just, I loved it so much. And um, actually, contrary to your... Um, opinions and thoughts in this book I thought that this book was much better than some stuff I've been reading lately and actually I've been reading good books lately but earlier I was not very like 
I was eating a lot of junk food. Um, it's an it's an analogy I've given in another episode, but for those who didn't listen to it, I don't even remember what one it was. <laughs> um, the junk food analogy is one my parents created for books, which is that really really good books like classics or really like well written books are your healthy food, your spinach, your greens, your proteins, your carbohydrates, and then like books which don't don't they're good books and you might enjoy them, but uh they don't exactly like enhance your re- like your level of the language or they don't maybe they don't give you like the sense of peace maybe i i don't know maybe they give you indigestion later maybe you they don't but they're junk food and this book was absolutely a healthy book and i just i loved it a lot because it was just so so beautifully written i loved the way it tackled grief and the way it tackled themes like having um having to deal with a mother who has depression and process that as as a young child so it was just really really deli- like delicious and well done and i gave it 5 out of 5 no surprises i just went on a very positive round well we hope that you enjoyed that episode our theme music is by silent partner subscribe so you're updated on our new episodes and share with fellow book lovers we have a blog where we used to post weekly but now occasionally visit So please check that out. We also have a Spotify account where we've compiled some playlists for our previous books. Next, we'll be recommending time-based books. We'd love it if you sent us an email about your thoughts on this book, any other book we've done thus far, or recommendations for time-based books. Literally anything book-related. We will feature you on the podcast. Thanks for listening, and bye. Yeah, and it just like mentions of like sexual feelings and stuff. <laughs> sexual feelings. <laughs> okay. Um uh